Let's get excited about the Word that brings change to our life. Today, I know one thing. We all have this ability, especially me. I have this special ability that when I get up in the morning, however my mood is, is affected by how I'm thinking. So if I think it's going to be a bad day, I have the power to think that. You know what happens? It ends up being a bad day. If I think that this is going to be a hard day, it ends up being a hard day. If I think I'm not going to feel good, guess what? I'm not going to feel good. If I think that it's going to be a hard day at work, it's going to be a hard day at work. If I think that this is going to, all these things, I have the ability, but also the opposite is true. When I get up and say, you know what? I'm going to have a better day today than I did yesterday. I'm going to make it a good day. Automatically, I've started something in my spirit and in my mind that allows that day to get going and become a better day than I had the day before. I can control that, and so can you. Our our thoughts control the outcome of our days. And if we're being really, really honest today, how many of us this last year have had untrue thoughts about ourselves? We have untrue thoughts like, no one appreciates me. No one likes me. No one cares for me. Nobody really wants me around. I have no value. If we're not careful, we have those thoughts, and those thoughts shape our reality. How many days did we lose this year because we got up with the wrong thoughts? We got up believing lies about ourselves. We got up believing lies that weren't even true, but they affected us because we believed them. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think, so your day goes. If you think it's going to be a bad day, it's going to be a bad day. If you think your boss hates you, he's going to hate you. If you think nobody likes you, nobody's going to like you. If you think you won't have any friends, you won't have any friends. If you think it's not going to be a good service, it's not going to be a good service. If you think that they're not going to sing my favorite song, they're not going to sing your favorite song. If you think Pastor Gene's going to preach too long, he'll preach too long. That's what happens. When we begin to think it, it becomes our reality, whether it's true or not. See, look at this statement. When we believe lies that are not true, they affect our life like they are true. Oh, that's good. When I believe the lie, even though it may not be true, it affects my life like it is true. How many times does this affect our life? John 10.10 warns us about Satan, and it says this about Satan. The thief comes only. Hear these words. The thief only comes for these three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. But Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to steal your peace. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And how does he do that? His number one tactic 
It hasn't changed since the garden. He's been using the same tricks. He doesn't have any new schemes. He's been using the same tricks for years and years and years and decades and decades and decades. And that trick is he fills our heads with lies. That's how he operates in a believer's life. He doesn't have power over your life, but he will fill your head with lies and you have the ability to reject or the ability to accept. And what you do will determine how your day goes, it will determine how your week goes, and it will determine how your new year goes. Do you believe the lies? He's there, he's doing it. This is what he does. And to prove it, John 8, 44, look what it says, talking about Satan. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the liar and the father of lies. When my wife speaks, she speaks her native language from Arkansas. And when she talks, I can tell she's from Arkansas because that's where she's from. Amen. One year we were having a uh, Easter cantata and they had the crowd down and she was there and they said to say crucify and you can tell who was from Arkansas because it was like crucify him, crucify him. I'm like, that's not how they talked in Jerusalem, honey. But that's how they talk in Arkansas and that's where I'm from. That's our native language. Satan's native language is what? Liar. No truth, not even one, comes from him. So what that means in my life is that he's the one, and he's not only lying, he's the father of all lies. So that means all lies are at the root of Satan's spirit. And this is how he tries to conquer your life and my life, is that he wants to fill our life, especially our heads, with lies. And we've got to make sure that we understand it. Listen, what's that mean? Opposite is also true that when Satan begins to lie to me and tell me no one loves me, that means the opposite's true. Oh, thank you for the encouragement, Satan. Every time he fills my head with lies and says you're not going to make it, I say, oh, hallelujah, that means I am going to make it. When he says I'm nobody, I'm like, oh, thank you, Satan. That means I am somebody. When he says I'm not loved, oh, thanks for the encouragement. I am loved. When he says I have no value, thanks for the encouragement. That means I do have value. That means God does see me and God has got a plan for me to succeed. When he says it won't get better, thank you. Woo! That means my answer is just around the corner. It's about to get better. He's going to fill your mind with doubt. He's going to fill them with lies and you have the ability to reject or accept. And how you handle that decision will affect the outcome of 2024 in your life. What's the decision when you do? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this right here. It's time. It's time. It's time to kill the lies. 
It's time to kill the lies. And as a believer, you got to make sure this is the gateway that Satan uses to destroy my life, to destroy my victory, to destroy my marriage, to destroy my self-worth, to destroy my value, to destroy my ministry, to destroy what confidence I have. It's a lie. And so I'm going to bring down those lies. I'm going to cast down those lies. I'm going to take captive those lies. I'm going to demolish those lies. I'm going to reject those lies. Why? Because I am not going to come in agreement with anything that's not in the word of the Lord. Today is New Year's Eve. So can you imagine if somebody invited you to a New Year's Eve party this evening? Your friend invited you and you show up and they meet you there outside and before you walk in, you don't know a lot of people there. And they say to you, listen, I got something to tell you. Nobody inside really likes you. You're only invited because you're my friend and they wouldn't let me. I told them I wouldn't come if I didn't bring you with me. So I just want to give you a fair warning before we go in that no one really likes you, David. So, you know, just come on, Dave. You go with me, and you walk in. What do you do? Automatically, you're like, oh, I don't really want to be here. And you walk in, you feel every eye staring at you. Everybody's looking at me. No one wants to talk to me. No one wants to stand by me. No one wants to eat with me. You go to get your food. Everybody else got all the best food. They left me with the generic pop. They took the bacon wrap, jalapeno poppers, and left me with olives. Come on now. No one likes me. Wow, look at them over there. I know they're talking. Look at them. Oh, they're whispering. I know they're talking about me. Oh, they think, oh, they think, oh, look at them. They think they're so much better than me. And you just feel every eye staring at you, every conversation's about you, everybody's plotting against you. And you can't leave there fast enough. And when you finally get a chance to leave, you leave with your friend. And he goes, hey, man, how'd you like the party? You're like, I hated it. No one liked me there. He goes, oh, man, I was just kidding. I was just joking with you. I didn't mean that. And you went in and experienced it because you believed the lie. You had such a bad experience. and You thought all those things were true when really they were just based on a lie. And that's the way we live our life when we allow Satan to come in and dominate our thoughts. He tells you this, you believe it, and then you go to work thinking that's the way it's going to be. You get up and you go to church thinking that's the way it's going to be. You get up and live your life thinking that's the way it is. No one likes me. No one values me. Everybody's looking at my mistake. Everybody's thinking about how I don't have it together. Everybody's thinking about when I blew it. Everybody's thinking about when I did this in my past. Everybody else thinking about this. Can I tell you something? Nobody's thinking that. That is in your mind, and that's what the enemy does. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who brings up the lies in our mind. So I must take hold of it. 2 Corinthians 10.5, look what it says. We what? Demolish arguments. Come on, one more time. We demolish. Wait, 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 wait. Come on now. You ain't going to demolish anything with that spirit. Come on. Now, we're going to say this together, and I want you to say it loud and with authority. Let's say it together. We demolish. There you go. We demolish arguments 
at every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So how do we do that? How do we demolish? I believe God wants us to demolish. How do we do this and kill the lies? Number one, we pray for God's power. Pray for God's power in your life. We need God's power to demolish the lies. And the great news is this. I don't just have my power. The Bible says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that word power is the word, root word comes out of the word dunamis, which was the word we use for dynamite. I'm talking about dynamite power. Explosive power comes upon you to demolish every stronghold, every thought, every lie of the enemy when you operate and walk in the Holy Spirit. God, I'm praying for more power this year. Why? Because you got to tear down and demolish every thought, every lie that's trying to fill your head. Before you can remodel a home, you must first do what? Demolish out the old, right? I can't go in with a new floor plan if I don't tear out the old floor plan. Come on. And you know what's fun? I love demolishing. Some of you, you've been there. You've had to demolish your, you're going to remodel your kitchen. You go in and start demoing that kitchen. Ladies, you're like, I always hated this kitchen. You're tearing down doors and the slam hammers coming and tearing this down. You're like, oh, finally, I'm tearing down this old kitchen. I can't wait for the new one to be built. It has to be a demo. See, some of us here, we're wanting a different outcome from 2024. We're wanting God's new plans, but we're, we won't demolish the old so that he can build the new. That's what's important. I got to understand this. God has remodeled plans for your life. You don't believe me? Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the, come on now, do you get it? I know the remodeled plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God is the master builder of my life, and if I will submit and demolish the old things in my life, the old habits, the old things that are tearing me down, the old things that are not working anymore, the old lies, the old thought pattern in my life, if I will begin to demolish those, then I give myself over to the master builder and allow him to rebuild his plan in my life, rebuild my thoughts, rebuild my mind. God has a different plan. James 4.2 says it like this. You desire and you do not have, so you will kill. Then look at the last. Let's just keep down to the last line. The last line says you do not have because you what? Do not ask God. I know it seems really simple, but it's very true. The reason why you're not walking in power is because when's the last time you really asked God for his power? When's the last time you prayed, God, give me more power in my life. God, give me power to demolish. God, give me power to cast down and take captive the bad thoughts of my life. God, give me power. When's the last time you really prayed that prayer? I promise you, you begin to pray that prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to fill your life. God, give me the power of your Holy Spirit to resist the devil, to resist the lies, to resist the temptation, to resist what my mind is battling every day. You gotta have that power and you can't do it on your own. But the good news is you don't have to. 
He gives you dunamis power of the Holy Spirit to demolish, to demolish the old in your life. And then number two, you got, you got to pray not only for God's power, but you got to pray with God's people. Pray with God's people. Look what James 5, 16 says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray, pray, pray. Come on now. You got to pray. Pray. Come on. You got to pray. Just to make, come on now. You got to pray just to make it today. I should have worn my MC Hammer pants today. I'd have been like, I We got to pray for each other. We need prayer. And what you got to understand is this. Some of you are like, man, I, I don't want to tell anybody. I'm struggling. I'm weak. That's the thought that Satan wants you to believe. That's the lie he wants you to believe. If I tell people where I'm struggling, they're going to think I'm weak. They're going to think bad of me. They're going to think less of me. They're going to think I'm not a good person. They're going to think I'm a horrible person. They're going to think I don't have any faith. They're going to think I don't love the Lord. I mean, our mind gets filled with all these, but really just the opposite happens. When you come and say, say, you know what, Joe, man, I'm feeling, man, I'm just, man, I'm having a hard day. I've been really self-doubting myself and struggling with this. And he's like, me too. I've been going through the same exact thing. You, I thought, I thought, no, yeah, you. I thought the same thing. Hey, I'll pray for you and you pray for me and let's support each other. And then throughout the week, you're texting each other. Hey man, how you doing? I'm praying for you. Here's a verse today and I thought about you. And pretty soon you're encouraging each other. The power of prayer begins to happen. Listen, we cannot abandon prayer. He said, Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. My house is called a house of worship and a house of prayer. Without prayer, we're just a social club. Without God's power, we might as well not meet. I'm telling you, I'm not here for a religious duty. I'm here because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in our worship. There's power in our prayer. And you've got to understand, we are called to pray. Parents, we got to teach our children how to pray. We got to teach our grandchildren how to pray. We got to teach our families how to pray. So that's why I just want to encourage you coming up. I'll talk about it more next week. But every year at the first of the year at Destiny Church, we do 21 days of fasting and prayer because we believe that we want to give the first to God. All of us, me, and you, all of us are guilty of allowing other things to crowd out putting God first in our life. We don't mean for it to happen. Schedules get busy. Things are pulling for our attention. And all of us, it happens. So that's why at the first of the year, we all come together and say, you know what? I'm going to begin to fast some things. I'm going to begin to pray, read the word, and get myself back for 21 days. I'm going to make sure I'm putting God back at the top of the pinnacle of my life so that things begin to flow back the way they need to, that I can become spiritually healthy starting the year and I launch the year right. If God doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. If God doesn't bless me, I won't walk blessed. If God's favor is not on my life, I won't walk into favor. That's where I want. And that comes when I humble myself and I pray. And so we're going to have three times 
during those 21 days when we come together as a church and we pray together. Here are the dates. Look at these three times of prayer that we have coming up. Wednesday the 10th, Wednesday the 17th, and Wednesday the 24th. We're going to meet from 6 to 7. An hour. Come on now. An hour. I can't make it any easier for you. An hour. I know some pastors will make you be here at 5 a.m. every day for 21 days. So you can thank God that you don't have that kind of pastor. But I do want you to come. When we do open the doors and say, let's pray. Come on, church. Let's show up and let's pray together. Last year, I will tell you this. I want to brag on you. Last year, we had the best attendance for our prayer we've ever had in the history of our church. And it was a great year. And I believe God honored the prayers of his people. So I want you to make it a priority. I want you to come ready to pray. We're going to have prayer focus. We'll be leading you in prayer. Our worship team will be here. We're going to be interceding. We'll let the Holy Spirit lead our prayer time. We'll have some direction of prayer. Different people and leaders in our church will be leading out in prayer. We'll be praying for you. We'll be praying for your family. We'll be praying over our children. We'll be praying over our health. We'll be praying over our community. We'll pray over our nation. We're going to pray and let God lead our prayer time. But I believe it's going to be a powerful time and we have got to pray together church we have got to pray together don't just do church come and be the church we've got to pray church and then number three get into God's word I know simple you mean I just pray for God's power and then I pray together and then we read the word yeah that's it I know, it's not rocket science, but how often do we leave it, right? How often do we get accustomed to neglecting the basic things that are necessary for us to thrive? You know, one of the things I've learned in the last election cycle that it taught us was this. You can't believe everything you see on social media, right? And both sides were doing the same thing. They were putting out false ads that made you look like a real ad, and we'd read it and go, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. And it would be something that was totally made up, not true, about one side or the other, or both sides, and we would believe it's true, and then we would share it, and then 10 of our friends would share it, and then 30 of their friends would share it, and pretty soon this thing's being mass spread, and people are believing something that was not true, it was based off of a lie. So for those who maybe don't understand this concept, let me just explain it to you this way. There's not a person in this room, if you download an AI app on your phone, within 30 seconds, you can't make a headline and a picture match anything you wanted to say. In about 30 seconds, it will create it, and you can't tell the difference between what's real and what's false. And so you can very easily fall for something that's not true just because you're like, I knew I didn't like them. Instead of fact-checking it out, we spread it and believe it and believe it to be true. So it's important. I learned a long time ago, before I believe what I read on social media, I have to go back and do my study and see, is this really true? I Google several news sources, and I look at several people that I trust, and I say, is this really a true story or not, before I believe it's true? I just don't believe it's true because I see it. It's important that we have fact checkers in today's society. You got to have it. Can I tell you the same is true for our life? We got to have fact checkers in our life. You got to become a fact checker. Not a fat checker, but a facts. Come on now. 
It's important that you understand. We need to understand. We got to fat check our feelings. Look at this statement. My feelings can be real, but not true. I can feel alone, but doesn't mean I'm really alone. I can feel like no one loves me, but is that really true? I can feel like things aren't going to get better, but is that really true? See, that's where we have to learn to fact check our feelings. Pastor, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because 2 Corinthians 10.5, we just read it. Let's read it again. We demolish the arguments and every pretension, that is every claim, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? It's God's word. The knowledge of God is God's word. So it's my job and your job to fact check every claim. Is it a false claim? Is it a God claim? Is it a God claim or is it something my brain just made up? And we take captive every thought and I make it obedient to Christ. I make it obedient to the knowledge of God. So this is what we do. When I'm feeling something, I gotta take what I feel and I gotta weigh it against the knowledge of God's word. So if my feelings don't match up with God's word, which one wins? The problem is too many of us follow our feelings. We don't fact check anything. Well, it doesn't line up, but you know what? God just wants me to be happy so I can, I can live how I want to feel. Who told you that? I read it on Twitter. No. See, my job is to line up what I'm feeling with what God's word is saying. And if I don't know what God's word says, then I don't know what's true and what's false. I don't know what is really true and what's really bad. I don't know that because I have not learned to weigh the facts. And when I weigh the facts, how I'm feeling with God's word, and if what I feel doesn't match up with God's word, then what wins? You have got to destined in your heart and predestined in your mind that God's word trumps my feelings. If God's word says it's true, it is true. If God's word says this is the best way, it's the best way. When my feelings match God's word, I go for it. When my feelings don't match God's word, I pull back and say, nope, I'm not going to feel that way. I'm not going to go off my feelings. But pastor, I really, really like him. This one has a job. I'm just saying, what does the Bible says? Don't be unequally yoked. A believer is not to be unequally yoked with a non-believer. So I, I really like him. I look at my feelings. I can't follow my feelings. I got to follow God's word and realize if I put him first, he'll bring the right person. It's even better. Oh, pastor. No one likes me. What's the word of God say? You have never been more loved than you are right now. God loves you. I don't care. You better care. 
God has given you everything, not for you to sit around and feel lonely and by yourself and isolated. That's what the enemy wants you to back away. He wants you staying home because no one likes you. He wants you to give up because you're not going to make it. He wants you to stop giving because it doesn't do anything anyway. He wants you to stop serving because it isn't making a difference. He fills your mind with all those lies. And guess who misses out on the blessing? You. Because he wants to bless what you give. He wants to bless you for serving. He wants to bring new people into your life. He wants others to be blessed by what you're doing. He lies, he lies, he lies. So I've got to understand it. I've got to understand that the greatest tool giving to anybody is the word of the Lord. And I've got to know the word. So this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray for God's power. I'm asking you to pray with God's people. And then I'm asking you to get into the word. I want you to make 21 days a habit of getting into the word of the Lord. If you can do it for 21 days, I promise you it can carry over and go even longer than that because it'll begin to become a habit in your life when you see the positive impact that the word of God has for my life. No, 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 no. You say this, but the word says this. I'm thinking this, but no, the word says this. Understand it. It becomes the best tool for a believer's life. I got to know the facts. So how, how do I do that? Look at this. It's kind of like this. My lies are this. God doesn't care about me. That's a lie. Satan tells you. God doesn't really care about you. He may care about everybody else, but he doesn't really care about you, right? That's a lie he tells us. But when I know the truth, the truth says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you kidding me? So it's impossible. It's impossible when I know the truth and say, God doesn't care about me. When he gave his only valuable thing that he had, his most precious gift, his son to come and die for me, to take the punishment of my sin to the cross, that he left heaven and came here on earth and submitted and walked around like all normal people did and had to submit to his father and mother when he was the king of the universe. And he did all that for me? Talks about, that sounds like someone who really, really loves us, doesn't it? Who really, really cares about you. That he loved me. What's the other lie? How about a lie like, God doesn't love me or want me? Well, the truth says in John 15, 16, Jesus said, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. God, no one loves me. God doesn't love me. He doesn't want me. He says, I chose you before you chose me. I died for you before you ever believed in me. I forgave you before you ever accepted my forgiveness. I came to die for the sins of the world before you ever acknowledged it. And even when they rejected me, they spit upon me, they beat me, and they mocked me, I hung on the cross for you and I. Wow. I didn't choose him. He he chose me. He chose me first. See, that's the beautiful thing about Christmas. He never would have came if I didn't need him. That's why he came to the earth, because my sin required he came. And so he loved me enough to come. That's the truth. And when you know the truth, it combats the lie. Well, let's look at one more today before we close. Lie. I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not a good enough pastor. 
I'm not a good enough owner. I'm not a good enough. I mean, all these things that fill our mind that Satan wants you to believe. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Listen, he tells all of us that same lie. He tells all of us that same lie. But the truth is this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So when you don't feel like you're enough, you're not enough. And I'm not enough. But God's grace makes me more than enough. And when I feel at my weakest, God can be at his strongest in my life. Understand the truth always combats the lie, but if I don't understand the truth, I'll never be able to combat the lie, and I'll get up living my life like I'm defeated. I'll get up living my life like everybody hates me. I'll get up living my life like nothing ever is going to change, because in my mind, I've come into agreement with what Satan is wanting me to agree. But when I fact check on the word of the Lord, it sets me free. Come on now, this word brings life. This word brings breakthrough. This word brings power. This word brings conviction. This word brings revelation. It makes us understand. Today, I want you to understand this. I read this stats, and I thought it was some really good stuff here. A recent study of 40,000 people, ages 8 to 80, were surveyed on reading their Bible. And this is what they found out. Those who read their Bible... Once, just once per week, that they saw no difference in their life at all. Then they went to those who read their Bible two to three times a week. And those who read their Bible two to three times a week, you would think it'd be a little bit different, but honestly, the survey said there was really no significant change in their day-to-day living from week to week. But something happened when they hit four times a week something began to change. And those who read the Bible four times a week made a massive difference in the quality of their life. Four times. I thought about why four? Because once you get to the number four, if there's seven days in a week, four becomes the dominant number. Once you reach four, now you've reached a majority for the week. So when my days outnumber the days that I don't, it affects the quality of my life. It's like this year I had to go and I wanted to be in the gym like 300 days. And you know what? I was looking at my app to see how many times I checked in and I was doing the math when I visited the hotel and worked out. And I worked out approximately 200 times this year. I wanted to do 300. But I got 200. And I can tell you, I can notice a significant difference in my health in my attitude, in my energy. I mean, I've gotten to 300, but I can tell because I worked out more days than I didn't, it made a huge difference in the quality of my life. And the same thing happens in our life. You may not get it every day, but if you can commit to saying, I'm gonna have more days that I'm reading the word during the week than I don't, it will significantly change. Look at the difference right here. Those who read their Bible at least four times During the week, this is what happened. Loneliness dropped in those people's lives by 30%. Anger issues dropped in their life by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped 
by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. Viewing pornography dropped by 61%. Having sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumped 230%. All because you decided to read the Word four times a week. There's a reason why we encourage you to do that. God has designed us. God has designed us to take captive every thought, the fat check, every bad thought that comes to my mind and say, no, when it comes against the knowledge of what God's word says, I'm to take that captive to demolish it and to kick it to the curb. It doesn't have a home in my life. It may come in, but it's like a trampoline. Boom, it's going to bounce right back out. It don't stay there. I allow those things not to hold captive in my life. So I want you to kill the lies this year. Are you ready to kill the lies in your life? Come on now, you got you to determine, I'm going to kill the lies. I'm not going to allow the lies to dominate my life year after year after year. At some point, you got to stand up and say, enough, enough. I'm going to kill the lies. I'm going to kill the doubt. I'm going to kill what's going on that's not true in my life. As you stand on your feet this morning, how many say, Pastor, I'm making a declaration that I'm going to kill the lies in my mind this year. Come on now. If God's speaking to you, raise your hand and say, I'm going to kill the lies right now. You're going to kill the lies. There you go. Keep them raised right now. Come on. Keep them raised right now. Father, in Jesus' name, God, you are powering your people to kill the lies this year. We're taking them down in Jesus' name. Come on. Declare in the Spirit. This is my year.